This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Okay, class is in session. Everybody, have a seat. Phones down. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go into a little bit of a story. I would like for everybody to close their eyes and just focus on, visualize what I'm going to share with you and what Tenji and I are going to share with you. Um, all right, here we go. And then whoever comes in last, if, they, if you don't mind shutting the door, that would be awesome. So close your eyes. Imagine this. Once upon a time, podcasting was like the new girl that started school late junior year. And she spent her first six months eating lunch in the bathroom and got teased for being a nerd. But eventually, that awkward, geeky teenager grew up. She went off to college, traded her glasses for contacts, and went on some dates. Now she's 25 and on the cusp of deciding who she's going to be. Is she going to follow in the footsteps of the cool kids from school that called her a nerd and wouldn't give her the time of day? Or is she going to put those cool kids behind her and blaze her own path? This is the crossroads that podcasting has found itself. Podcasting has grown up enough that it's time to decide who and what it wants to be. And today, that's what we're here to discuss. Are we as an industry going to follow in the footsteps of the cool kids, AKA Hollywood, or are we confident enough to blaze our own path? You can now open your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for playing. We would like to welcome our panelists now. Please help us in welcoming Keisha T.K. Dutes, executive producer of Spoke Media, and. TK spent her high school years being highly influenced by Ed Lover, Dr. Dre, and Lisa G's morning show and Hot 97's early days. Please give her a hand. <laughs> Please help me welcome Ibo Terra, podcasting's professional contrarian who grew up in a podunk town that was too far away from radio waves for decent radio stations to reach. So he spent his high school days listening to 70s and 80s music on cassette tapes. <laughs> and welcome Zach Moreno, co-founder of Squadcast FM, who spent his teen years listening to Kid Cudi and emo rock in his MP3 player. <laughs> I'm Maribel Quesada-Smith, co-founder of BIPOC Podcast Creators. I'm also a producer, and I loved listening to Shakira and NSYNC on my portable CD player when I was in high school. I'm Tangia Alawadi Estrada, also co-founder of BIPOC Podcast Creators and a PR strategist. And growing up, I loved to listen to Aaliyah and the Notorious Big and all things hip-hop while I was in high school. <laughs> All right, so obviously we're going along with a little bit of a high school theme because it really does feel like podcasting is at that stage where it's out of high school now, it's grown up, but it's still kind of young, but it does have some decisions to make, we think. So we want to talk about that. So we want to open the question for all of our panelists, and our, our first question is going to be, why should we not, as an industry, 
build podcasting in the image of Hollywood? Let's start with TK. Sure. All right. We we going there. And <laughs> right off the bat. Um, okay. So I mean, we've all seen all the reckonings. Hollywood bigger or bigger platforms than than ours per ours per se, and even reckonings within ours. Like we don't want to replicate that, right? There's a. I don't want to wait for uh, 50 or 70 years to see the next Halle Berry win an award, right? Or Denzel be the first black Oscar. Like, that is crazy to me. And to follow in the footsteps of that legacy is not something I want to replicate. How about you, Eva? <laughs> I'm going to take the creepy mask off, if that's okay with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Looks just like me, right? <clears throat> yeah. So, excellent answer on, on, on that. You know, for me, being the token white guy on the panel, in case that wasn't really, really clear, um, I just see it from a point of view of Hollywood took forever to get started. Hollywood does a lot of things. To me, Hollywood is kind of a stand-in for all the other established media platforms, whether it's radio, television, even, even publishing. Um, the, the, those, those are what makes sense to me. And those things all made sense, but if we try to follow that model, and I'll probably get into this a little bit later, podcasting is uniquely different from those. And I don't necessarily mean it from it, it is different. It's those other experiences all feel similar to themselves. When you go watch a movie, it's you're, you're watching a movie, but uh, you know, podcasting has become so fractured. And I think, I mean that in a good way. There are lots of different things. Um, I don't think if we tried to follow any of those models, I think if we tried to follow those models, we'd wind up getting rid of some of the things that make podcasting great, and that's the wide diversity. And, and I, when I speak of diversity in, in this case, uh, instance, I'm talking about diversity of content, diversity of why we do things, what's happening out there. I'm afraid if we try to follow established models, we'd wind up being much, much more siloed, and, and that wouldn't be great. How about you, Zach? The scale's really different. The gatekeeping is really different. The ownership model is really different. Uh, how we consume films and TV is very different than how people consume and listen to our shows and podcasts. So, yeah, I think it's, like, probably more different than it is the same. I mean, the Internet didn't exist or anything like it when films uh, became an industry, and it's, it's kind of not changed very much over that time. So I, I think of, you know, podcasting as the internet of audio. The internet is for all people. It's open. And that doesn't sound like Hollywood to me, right? Like, there are other places that had to create their own Hollywood because Hollywood is not for them. That doesn't sound like podcasting to me. So I think we're off to an okay start, but can probably find ways to improve. Thank you for that honesty. So another question we want to follow up with is, what does it mean for podcasting to build an industry that does better than the way Hollywood does business? How about you, Evo? Let's start with you. That's, that's going to be a tough question for us because, you know, again, Hollywood can be a business. Publishing radio can be a business. But when you think about the business of podcasting, a sphere I played in for a number of years now, it's hard. I mean, there's, there's no such thing. I mean, there's, the, there's no such thing as the business of podcasting. I mean, there kind of is, but it means a lot of different things. I mean, when a lot of folks that are attending right now think about business of podcasting, when we hear the numbers of how big is podcasting as an industry, it's a, it's a billion dollar, it's a $2 billion industry, whatever the number is it happens to be. But we're only counting advertising. That's it. Um, 
microphones cost money. <laughs> Hosting companies cost money. Coming to these conferences, that, that's part of the overall economy. So I think one of the challenges that we have as podcasters working in the business of podcasting is understanding that the business of podcasting is more than just ad revenue. It's more than just sponsorship. It's more than just monetization. It's all of the other aspects that go along with that. And to me, a lot of that, the way we fix that is by telling people who are podcasters that you have an a, a place in the industry. You don't have to either be a podcaster, you don't have to be an ad sales, or ho there are lots of aspects of podcasting you can get into from a business, from production, from being a showrunner, from doing the marketing aspect, and, I, and I'm excited that we're starting to see that grow and start uh, exposing that to other people who can realize there's, there's more to this than the standard model, which, which, which kind of has me excited, to be honest. Zach? What was the question? <laughs> what does it mean for podcasting to build an industry that does better than the way that Hollywood does business? Well, I mentioned, I mentioned ownership, which is kind of fundamental to business. Um, and, you know, the, the people who are in films don't necessarily own that film. The people who worked on it don't own that film. You all own your content. That's like a really fundamental, like beautiful thing. So that means these are your businesses. This is your intellectual property. That's, that really flips it on its head compared to the typical business model of how movies are produced, made, bought, sold, consumed. Um, you know, we, we are essentially our own uh, media companies as content creators. And uh, I think of this from the, from the creation standpoint with the work that we do at Squadcast as well, where, you know, we, we want it to be uh, accessible to, to everyone, everywhere in the world, 190 countries we've helped people connect with. Like, I don't know if, that, uh, if that's really how Hollywood thinks about making content, you know? It's, uh, it's very different, and uh, there's good things about that, and there's bad things about that. Obviously, way bigger budgets, but, uh, you know, no ownership, less inclusive. Other people own that intellectual property. So I'm going to switch it up for TK a little bit more on the creative side. There's a lot of adaptation happening going from podcasts to visual medium, TV, film. Um, and then there are the companion podcasts as well, right, going along with the TV and film. What can we do different there that hasn't been done before when it comes to adaptation? So, you know, a lot of books have been adapted into, into visual uh, mediums. What do you see that we could do better and different there? Yeah, I mean, I think... Just shout out to my audio drama homies. They've been uh, at the forefront. Hey, y'all. Represent. <laughs> like, real talk, we got to look to other people, like niche communities, to see what's happening, right? And I'm going to say, a, I don't know, this just might be a controversial thing. So in, in the tech world, because I, I used to work in tech as a podcast person in tech, so I watched them, and I watched the conversations. And an industry that we, we don't, you know, it's not a polite thing to admit, I'm just say the industry, porn, pornography, an industry that we don't wanna admit that we consume, they are always on the cusp of making new shit, new tech, new ideas, new things, and then it trickles down to us in the mainstream. Why is OnlyFans in the mainstream now? Is because they, gave it legs. What I'm trying to equate it no to... No pun intended. <laughs> they gave it legs and they gave it legs, y'all. Um, <laughs> but my audio fiction homies, they give all these dramas, all these narrative pieces, they, they gave that niche 
something, it was something for us to grab hold of. So now I know them, I go work at a company, I know who to call. But a lot of folks in quote unquote Hollywood or bigger companies, um, even within our industry, they wanna remake the wheel, right? I'm like, y'all, we still doing radio? Relax, right? <laughs> we still doing radio, so let's go back to who did it first. Let's now adapt it for the future. Let's look to people that have already been doing it. Let's, um, there's opportunities in fan fiction, which the fiction community has been already in. Let's take the main story, split it into seven more stories. Like, mm. you Harry Potter this okay. shit, y'all, let's yeah. go. <laughs> like, there's so much opportunity here, and I think we get caught up in what's our main thing, right? What is the thing that TK can do best? And I'm, I'm like tunnel vision. But I should maybe think, like, outside of that tunnel. Like, what, what can I veer into? What other opportunities are there? So look at the niche communities that are doing it well, ask them for their expertise, and also see what innovations they have there. And that innovation is gonna drive the future of whatever industry, but especially podcasting. Love that. Well said. Go ahead, clap. <laughs> so each of you have some point touched on the the paramount importance of the independent creator, whether it be in the form of a niche audience or independent creators in general. Um, I wonder, does that mean that you feel like or you've seen evidence of that the, the independence of creators is somehow at risk at this stage in the development of the industry? I mean, everybody wants to get the bag, right? So in, in that, you have, to, you have to give up something, right? And I think that as we grow, as this community grows, um, first I just want to say we all deserve the bag, right? We, we deserve for ideas yes, we to be compensated. We deserve to own them and then get residual compensation. We deserve to, you know, make new types of deals that allow the independent person to keep as much of their content as possible. But when you can't do it, then you got to find a way, like, wh what am I willing to give up that still makes me feel good about myself and about this thing I created so that it's not gobbled up, right? And uh, the thing that was me is now like just a bland whitewashed version, right? Like the Disney version of the real thing. <laughs> so I don't know, that's, those are my thoughts on that. Can I gently give a counter to that? Yes, sir. Be, be very, very gentle. Um, so early in the podcasting days, I was also in the publishing side of things, interviewing a bunch of science fiction authors. Many of them I refer to as underpublished authors, uh, as well as some, some, some very large ones. And authors feel this way. How many authors do we have in the room? Anybody an uh, author up here? Okay. So feel free to yell at me if I get this wrong, but I also am an author, so therefore I can't get it wrong. So, um, <laughs> Authors basically have two paths you could go down. You can sell your book to a big publishing house, or you can publish it on your own. And it's gotten a whole lot easier in the last few years, thanks to everybody's favorite company, Amazon, <laughs> to, uh, to publish, publish your book, something that didn't happen when I got started in this industry. I mean, you, if you didn't get a big five publisher, you were stuck in Vanity Press and you were gone. Um, and that, those, those gatekeepers, as, as Zach mentioned previously, existed because they were really keeping the quality levels high. And they were also providing services, those gatekeepers, to make these independent creators, authors at the time, better by providing services like uh, developmental editors and copywriters and all this to make things better. 
a significant number of independent creators, authors resisted that path because that means somebody else gets to change my work. I am so fucking brilliant, I do not want it to change. Any authors in the, uh, want to raise your hand for you feeling like that? No, I didn't think so. But a lot of them do. A lot of them do, and they don't want to change. And that's the, the reality is to make them things better, make most things better, you, other people who with experience have to come in and do that. So while I want podcasting and maintain its independence, I also don't want us to say, you know, I know everything or my little niche community is doing its thing because we won't grow if we do that. But you can. I mean, if that's your attitude and opinion, keep on. You own it. It's on you. But perhaps, and not only, but perhaps if you do want to grow, don't be afraid to look beyond and maybe share some of the ownership with other people as you, as you keep moving things forward. To, to counter that counter. Oh, good. <laughs> no, I agree. Change is good in, a, in the way that we're collaborating, right? Collaboration is better. Change is good. Collaboration is better, right? I agree. Editing, I will never uh, say no to you being like, you know what, TK, I, th I think you should try this. Flip it on its head, you know, flip it and reverse it. And I'm going to put them side by side. And if I still don't like your way or if I focus group it, then, you know, like, like yeah. that. I, yeah. I want to collaborate with people versus, like I was talking about, we, we get, we've, you're used to the Disney version of things and we've allowed life to kind of, kind of unfold that way. But honestly, when I go read the real text of Pocahontas and I go look at the Disney version, that change is not good. Yeah. You know, so I just right. don't want that to happen to folks. I agree with both of you. <laughs> Safe answer. <laughs> Smart man. Well, one, one point that I'll make is that um, independence is talked about as like, uh, like being on the sideline in some contexts. And, and I, I disagree with that, I think, in some cases. But, but also there is power in independence. Um, and, and that's really where I think there's a, there's a difference here, but I fully acknowledge, I mean, the mission of Squadcast is to amplify collaboration. So we believe that content creation is a team sport at every level, whether you're independent and you can just be two friends in the community helping share resources with each other. It does not need to be a transactional relationship um, or you can, you can collaborate in, in creative ways, right? We're all, we're all here in, because we're creative people in some way or another. So we can get creative with our business, not just our content, right? So I think that there is uh, power in independence that, uh, you know, we, uh, film, uh, Hollywood does have an independent film category, right? And that is uh, a, a lot bigger than even podcasting is today on its own. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, there, there's some relativity here worth considering with, um, you know, what, what would be considered like, you know, the big studio side uh, versus independence? Is, is this conference both of those things? Are we both of those things as a community? Where's that line or is it all one thing? You know, I think that it's still early days on that question. If I might add, I think the big companies could highly benefit from paying attention to what the independent creators are doing and collaborating with them. Um, a lot of the time, especially if we talk about awards, you know, uh, this year we had the Ambies, there was some controversy. Um, catch me later, we can talk about that. But basically in the indie category, there was some controversy. And I think you see, you're starting to see a little bit of that 
Hollywood uh, mentality creeping into the awards where like only the big dogs are applying because it costs money, it's difficult, you know, you have to jump through hoops. So that that's one of the aspects that I would really like for us to pay attention to is like, okay, how do we make more room for the independents to be in these awards, but also how do we change them to make them a little bit less about the popularity um, and, and name recognition and more about the actual creative work that's happening. Now, that's hard because creativity is subjective. Um, so it's a little bit challenging, but I think we can find ways. There's, you know, the podcasting seriously fun that helps uh, people, independent creators apply uh, to awards. If you don't know about this, check it out. They will reimburse you if you qualify uh, for your fee, for your entry fee. And But we need more of that. We need more, like, I, yes, Ibo, we need to be willing to take the critique and, and take the changes and collaborate. But also, we need the funding to also sustain some of this creativity as well. And then to add to like the whole awards thing, like who's judging, right? Yeah. Like yeah, who's yeah. judging? And if everyone comes from like, I call them fancy places, yeah. then we know like what their tastes are, right? So mm -hmm. a diversity of ear, um, a diversity mm -hmm. of experience, yes. and a diversity of, of judging panels is, yes, definitely going to move the needle on this. Which is why I highly encourage people every year, like, join the Podcast Academy if you want to vote for the Ambies. You get to vote if you're a part of the, of, of the Ambies. Um, so that's why it's so important. Yes, yes. Okay, so switching gears for a moment here. You know, recently we've had the publishing of some really great reports that are talking about creators and listeners so that we understand what the true diversity uh, across the industry is. So we have the Latino listener report, we have the black listener report, we now have the creators report that recently came out. And they're, they're new, right? So we have not had an opportunity to really always sit with that and, and think through what does that mean for the industry as a whole. So I'd love to hear from, from you about what do you think the impact is of creators of color across the industry and where do you see uh, the future going for them in this space? I, I'm particularly interested in the audience data because a lot has been said in this industry about finding your niche, right? And there's like wisdom in that. But these are huge groups of people. These are big numbers that are underserved in the content that is designed for them. So that's a really big niche. I mean, we can talk about like niching down, niching down, niching down, but like there are these massive opportunities that the data is telling us about these audiences that are hungry for more. So I think that that's a huge opportunity for creators to be there for those audiences. Um, I was privileged to like see some of this data at, uh, I saw the Black Listener Report at um, Black Pod Fest. It's another great podcast festival y'all should check out. Um, and they talked about it, put it on the big screen. I will dig up those tweets and repost them for y'all. But um, <laughs> as, a, as a person of color, as a black person watching, like looking at the data, I was like, yeah, I love buying shit. Like, <laughs> where have you been? You, I was like, I too enjoy toothpaste and um, to be sold things in my voice. I would love to hear someone go, TK, in the middle of a podcast, TK, would you like to buy some toothpaste? Yes, from a voice that sounds like my own, right? Like, we like to sell ourselves things. We already know that we have a lot of disposable income. Um, and every demographic report will tell you about that report how much those people like to consume, enjoy buying things, 
like your product and what categories that they'll enjoy or most or least or we don't have data for, right? Mm -hmm. Or and, and in terms of the ones that we don't have data for or uh, are showing like less numbers, you know, um, I think listenership for, you know, like garden shows, shit, you know, shit like that. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. pretty low, but does that mean we don't, does that mean that we don't like garden shows or does that mean we need more garden shows? You know what I'm saying? So, you, 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 you know, it's however you, you read it. So, um, we like shit, yo, like sell us shit. Well, if you, if any of y'all caught uh, yesterday's presentation by Teresa uh, Gonzalez uh, of Latinas B2B, if she's here, um, she talked about this, like, we too go hiking. We too purchase things at REI. We also believe in wine tasting and like we do all kinds of things. We play golf, uh, some of us very poorly, but still like we do the things that are outside of the stereotypical recognition of our cultures. And I think that we would be wise in the future to create content that caters around the multitude of, multitude of things that we, the multicultural audiences are interested in uh, because there are opportunities there. Evo, did you want to add anything? Hell no, what okay. y'all said. <laughs> so let me, let me jump to this question then. Zach, <laughs> Zach, let's talk about how tech can be an adventure for underrepresented voices in podcasting. I mean, you are a, you know, a person of Mexican background. You, you, you built a company in the tech industry. Some people say that we need to get rid of RSS. Uh, what do you think needs to happen with RSS to protect access for creators? Specific to RSS? Yeah, so, you know, the talk that's been happening a lot around RSS, like, oh, is it no longer useful? And then there was a 2.0 yeah. talk yesterday, but yeah. which honestly half of us didn't really understand. So, <laughs> I don't know, give us, like, like uh, what you think is important to maybe upgrade it or, or why it matters. And you and I have had a great conversation about this because I don't, I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not a hosting company. I don't sell RSS feeds, so... Uh, others can speak from that perspective, and I have not yet because I have a, a booth here, and these these events are you know demanding. Uh, I haven't watched the 2.0 conversation yet, so just for some context. Um, but I, I am a software engineer, and I've I've seen what's happened um, where podcasting has come from. I called it the Internet of Audio earlier. That's how I think about it, and um, we help people create it. It ends up in these RSS feeds. So. Um, are other parts of technology industry still using RSS? No. Barely. Minimally. Deprecated are words that you'll hear. Um, why is that? Like, that's not a coincidence. And I'm going to try to answer this quickly, so please stop me. Uh, I, will, <laughs> I will talk all day about this. But uh, RSS is one directional. And then if you look at the, the, the challenges that get brought up with our industry, it's, well, I don't get any data back from my audience. That's not a coincidence. The infrastructure of how this data flows is literally not allowing it to come back. So that raises the question, how do other areas of technology address that same kind of macro problem? Uh, they do have a two-way data structure, data flow. Um, and that's just kind of how the internet works. I can send you data, you can send me data back. This is a conversation that we're happening. That's how collaboration can happen on the web. Uh, uh, podcasting not excluded. So there are these problems that have been solved elsewhere. Um, and I think that you know, there, there are tremendous benefits and independence that, that come from 
RSS. There's a, there's a case to be made that that's why we still have an independent, you know, open ecosystem, and it's not this one walled garden kind of uh, industry. So I think there are merits to it, but that we can continue to innovate while retaining those merits. And we don't even need to invent anything here. These are technologies that are well understood from other segments of, of, uh, of tech. So that's what I'm kind of looking at here, is how do we take those lessons that people figured out 10, 15 years ago in other areas of technology, and how do we upgrade uh, from RSS in a way that retains what is uh, meaningful to our industry, uh, you know, a key to our identity, but uh, solve some of these other challenges of uh, empowering y'all with the data that is frankly yours. Uh, that's a controversial statement, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you. Eva, do you have anything to add? <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, we could geek out on the tech stuff all day long, and, and um, I, I did attend the Podcasting 2.0 talk, and there are some interesting uh, things that are available right now that I wish more hosting companies would, would deal with. But to go into your last comment about we own the data. It's, it's ours. We want that information. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the problem isn't your hosting company having that data. The problem is the apps. It's the listening apps. The listening apps right now own the relationship with the listener. It's not us. It's not your hosting company, not the RSS feed. It's the app that has it, right? Which Spotify is taking full advantage of that, right? You know, Spotify is, is kind of doing everything, and I think more apps could do that. What I like, what, would like to see more of the, the independent apps, so it'd be great if Apple would do this. And in fact, Apple and Google and Spotify have both started giving us back data. If you haven't logged into your Apple Podcast Connect account to see what's in there. It should be structured and in a proper interface, not just something you have to like scrape a web page for. Totally don't disagree. We're talking yeah. about public APIs here. That's what clear. I want too. Yeah, I want it because they all have it. They all have the that data. The App Store has it? Yeah, so give it. Give it. You know, let, let us have access to it. If, if, if there was a, a motion we need to do, it's convincing these app developers that they need to unlock that content. Um, I, I'm a big fan of making all that stuff public. I'm, I'm a weirdo who thinks that every single hosting company should make their data public if you choose to, as a podcaster, click a button and see it. Why are we hiding behind these numbers? I mean, we're not, there's nothing really to be hiding with. We, do, we don't really have good tracking that one. I think a lot of it comes with the data. So the tech is, is important. I think it'll continue our, our independence going forward. We just need to demand more from the people that have the data. Hiding and exclusivity, very popular words in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> last, last question. Or, oh, go ahead, finish. Yeah, go ahead, I, I was just having this conversation with a host, uh, the founder of a hosting company yesterday, and it always comes back to the apps. And there's like a fragmented ecosystem of a ton of different, like all of you probably use a variety of different ways that you listen to podcasts, right? Um, there are obviously the bigger of them, but yes, that's where the data needs to come back from in my analogy that I, I painted the picture of in the beginning. So the onus is on them, but also we need to have a standard, uh, a standard interface to define how we send right. this data back and forth so that it's, it's not apples to oranges. Right? We need to be able to go to advertisers and you know, monetization channels to say this is a standard data that I collected and, uh, and, and have confidence in that. If, if, it's, if it's all over the place, there's no confidence in it. Yep. Very interesting and informative. I feel like I just learned something there. So thank you both for that. 
All right, so we want to take this back to TK real quick for a question, uh, switching gears a little bit. TK, you're in production, you work with studios, you work with Hollywood in, in your work. So we'd love to know, you know about your experience being on that side of the business. What's it like um, working with Hollywood money, the Hollywood money, right? And what are some disconnects or what are some things that we can do on the podcasting side to push for Hollywood funders to get on board and funneling those resources to the industry, but also to those underrepresented voices. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so in terms of like, just what can we get them to, them to do? They already see us, y'all. They are throwing money at podcasters, podcast houses, podcast freelance. Hollywood sees us, right? You gotta be there and ready to catch it. Um, catch the opportunity, and that means being at the top level of your expertise. If your jam is music, then music the shit out of some shit, right? Like, you know, like, just be ready, because when they come calling, you have, like, one or two shots to, like, make an impression. So, firstly, just be on your game. Um, they already see us. Um, and then in terms of just working and the disconnect and the money and all that stuff, so they have a lot of money, and... Uh, you can see it right there. It's on, the, it's on the piece of paper that you sign when you make a contract with a company. Um, but a lot of times, they don't have a lot of time, mm -hmm. right? So it becomes a humanity issue. Um, I'm going to throw money at the problem, and you're just going to get it done because you, lowly audio person, so there's a hierarchy as well. So I have a lot of thoughts, y'all. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't drop my little fidget spinner. <laughs> Damn it. Um, there's a hierarchy, right? Because of the legacy of the industries, it's, to me, this is all TK, <laughs> um, radio, TV, film, and then podcasting is under all that, right? And in podcasting a little bit, is starting to equalize with radio. So then you still have TV and you still have film. That's why the hierarchy is so respected. There's a lot of people that have zero experience in audio um, that are like, our bosses, right? And, and that shit is like, man, if you, to me, if you can't cut tape or you don't know where the, you know, shift thingy is, <laughs> how are you my boss? Like, low key. So just recognizing that the disconnect is in, um, there's a, the hierarchical thing happening, there's a respect thing happening, and I think more people need to respect audio radio, podcasting, whatever, as a uh, just as important medium because we are needed. They're com you're, you come to me, you go to a doctor because you need the doctor to fix your thing. None of these um, movie studios or whatever, they don't have audio people. So they come to you, but also there's like a lack of respect in the work, yeah. right? So they, then they, they just go, assume that it's easier. I'm going to throw money at it, right. They go, well, you don't have any pictures. <laughs> And I'm like, you, you don't mean need lights. I don't have a crutch? You mean I don't have a visual crutch? Right? I gotta describe this. I gotta make you feel. I gotta zzzz, z z z you know what I'm saying? Like, chill. So, anyway, that's the disconnect. <laughs> um, and I just think they, what we all could do is just be very clear up front in our work styles, um, put the boundaries up early. Um, and I think also some of it is us being willing to teach, right? You yeah. teach people how to treat you, and you have to do that early. So as podcast companies and podcast people, you teach people how to treat you, you know? So 
and oh, y'all, I just, I don't know, stick to your deadlines if you can, but it's, they make it hard. Anyway, y'all, I just, that's my spirit, yes. Thank you so much. So we would like to now open it up to questions uh, from the audience. If you have a question, we have a few minutes left. We would really love to answer any questions you all have. Raise your hand so that the microphone can come to you because we are, be we are streaming live uh, for the audiences at home. Hey. Hi. Uh, I'm Eleanor. Hi, TK. This is a question for you. I'm like going to riff on that whole rant you just went on. Um, I feel like I'm running into lately uh, moments where TV people or Hollywood people are like, your paperwork just doesn't look like what my paperwork, like oh. really basic shit like that. And um, <laughs> TK, I'm, I'm super curious if you have thoughts on like, when is the moment where you feel like it makes sense to be like, okay, like maybe your paperwork is good and I should learn something from it. Yeah. And when is the moment when you're like, will you please just, I do know what I'm doing. Will you please just use my damn paperwork? Yeah. <laughs> like, where's that line for you? I, I have two thoughts. That I just also want to shout out my paperwork guy in the room <laughs> right next to you, Keith. Shout out to Keith Reynolds. That's my boss at Spoke Media. He's the paperwork guy. And Great, one of the talk. things that he paperwork. did was, like, we did a workshop at work on how to read contracts, right? And I'm not saying I'm the best at reading contracts. Do we all read every word? <laughs> Um, but like to recognize the parts that are important. We first, to know what, what we're, like where my line is, I gotta know where the regular standard is, right? Then my second thought <laughs> is um, one of my favorite uh, podcast lawyers, Quinn Herity, um, was like, TK, if you wanna work with someone, just like, she was just telling me as like an independent, like if you wanna work with somebody, a contract are just terms. How do you want to work with the person? And how do you want the person to work with you? Right, so that's kind of that part where you're like, well, this is my contract and this is what it looks like. So I think there's a, um, so there's a comfort in seeing similar things. So if there's a way to say your thing in their language and still get what you want, there's a comfort in that similar thing. But at the end of the day, a contract is the t are the terms that y'all will work on. So what do you want? Um, so I'm, I'm trying to say meet, meet in the middle, make folks comfortable. I'm always trying to get the yes. So if I got to turn it into jibber-jabber lawyer language to get the yes, it makes you feel good, makes you feel fancy, then I'm going to turn it into jibber-jabber lawyer language to get what I want. To add to that real quick, if you're talking about releases as well, like for materials or um, just for permission to use people's uh, voices, I think it is helpful to follow some of the guidelines that come from, I will say Hollywood is like a little extra when it comes to releases and legalities because they've had to protect themselves for so long and they've had so many uh, lawsuits. So, um, you know, I come from the TV world and I do believe that there is something to be gained from that knowledge. Like there, there's a lot of protection that has built that has been built in for the company who's gonna own that media and the rights to that media. And it does help. And I think as podcasters, we're sometimes like kind of afraid to deal with the legalities, but it is important um, to protect our work. And at the end, you are protecting your work if you are securing the correct permissions to own the stuff that you're recording. Any other questions? Oh, okay. Oh, oh we have one over there. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah, I'll stand up. Hello, everybody. My name is Frankie Benz. Hi. Hey, TK. What's up, girl? 
I knew this woman 10 years ago. We traveled around Europe. And I see her up on stage. Look hey, at girl. you. Look at God. Uh, I just wrapped up my first season of my first podcast called Kinked as Fuck. It's called uh, Kinked as Fuck for a reason, several reasons, triple entendre, but mainly deconditioning our conditioning as women in our 30s, black and brown women. But I'm ready to package this and sell this baby, get this on a network. What are your best practices to get this going? Oh, child, that's a lot. That's a big question. I think that's the whole panel right here. Um, and I mean, that's this whole, this whole conference. So I think, <sighs> Evo fam, y'all jump. Jump in. I honestly, firstly, consistency. So long as you're doing it, great. Audience, um, you, data, we talked about data, get it, right? You need to show that to the people that you're pitching to be, go be on their thing, right? That, uh, to be distributed, to be on their network, to be anywhere. Data, get the data. How many listening? How long they're listening? Um, you look at how long they're listening. See if I need to do anything. Okay, if they're dropping off at the middle, what am I doing at the middle of the show? Am I talking too much shit? I need to talk less shit. So you know what I'm saying? Like, so um, use all the information points to really tighten up your product. And then you know, then you have your, uh, y'all were talking about all the different parts of the podcast business, right? Then you have your graphics people and the people that make it sound good and the people that really make it sexy. Hit every point of that before you go somewhere and then just um, your tight pitch, your tight pitch. Yeah. Uh, we have- I Feel good, y'all. Okay, let's, right. yeah, go ahead. Hi, my name is Zanaya and I do marketing for podcasts. My question is, and this is like to the whole panel, um, earlier you guys were speaking about like saying like authentic and TK, you kept saying like you don't want um, like the Disney version of things. So like, let's say if you have like a podcast pitch that you wanna like pitch to your company, but um, they try to like Disney-fy it, how could you like stay true to the message that you wanna convey to your audience, but also, um, have the room understand, like not take away from your vision, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, because oh, I'm like you, the industry dude. Like, okay, oh, um, right. So you don't want them to change, change it, but you know that you need to be in the room to have these conversations. Some of this also like needs. Like we need to know the context, not not your specific context, but just like of the conversation. Um, sometimes when people change or try to quote unquote Disneyfy things, there's a there's a cultural issue, right? So am I is the person are we incongruent culturally? Am I in a pitch meeting where these these folks they just don't know me, they don't know my people, they don't know. So then y'all just might not be a match like that, right? Um, if you're trying to break into their world, then it's like, okay, how do I broaden this thing? Um, how do I broaden it so that they see themselves in it without taking yourself out of it, right? So, so now I'm just saying, like, try to be as broad as you can um, in, in this, like, conversation that, like, it, they see themselves in the thing. Does that make sense? Like, I just, I just want people... There's so many movies about like, like Soul Food was about a black family that was having, you know, like all the problems a black family had, right? But it was like a black movie. And I was like, it's a movie about a family that enjoy food and have drama. And I'm like, why is that so hard? Why does that put us, relegate us to the category of black movie, black family? I'm like, mad people. So I just wonder like if we could, 
start thinking bigger, and now I'm talking to the people on the other side of the table than you, right? Could y'all start thinking bigger? How do you see her product? How do you see yourself in her product, right? And if you see yourself in her product, can you then now decide, like, can you sell the product? We walk into a room and we're at a disadvantage. People are like, oh, she doesn't look like me. Well, that's a bust. Right? She yeah, probably like, doesn't no. like toothpaste like me. <laughs> <laughs> we all use, never brush your teeth. Like that's wild. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking. Uh, just broaden, make them, or try to make them see themselves in the thing is my jam. Last point, and Can then I, we. Yeah, have... I'll add to that that like art is design without constraints. What you're talking about is additional constraints. So you can retain creative control by uh, as long as there's alignment on what and definitions of what those constraints are. So you have your constraints, they have their constraints. We're going to collaborate to find a middle ground that is for this audience, mm. right? So I think it's just, a, it's just a, a perspective on those constraints that could be helpful here as long as you are able to retain your constraints in this equation. Thank you so much, everybody. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Thank you. We want to remind you really quickly that we have a happy hour immediately following this in the lobby on the second floor. So please join us there. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you to our panelists.